people say that they don't want to have a hours baby because it's going to make the stepkids feel left out. Do you think that's true? I think it's true that there's the possibility for the hours baby to feel left out. I think that in my case, the age difference set that up automatically, but also the relationship between the co-parents it wasn't encouraging of togetherness. <laughs> so we weren't doing modern family holidays. I would go to watch my siblings play sports and we had to sit on opposite sides of the field. Hey, it's Jamie Scrimger. When I became a stepmom, I quickly realized that while moms are encouraged to keep it real, there's a big double standard when it comes to stepmoms. So I decided to start the conversation myself. Thriving as a stepmom doesn't just come from conversations about being a stepmom though. Here we dive into marriage, relationships, personal growth, and more. My mission, inspire you to live a kick-ass life while bringing you along as I create my own. This is the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. Guys, I have a super interesting episode for you today, and it's something that I haven't talked a lot about on the podcast, which is the experience of the hours baby. So if you're not familiar with the term hours baby, it's when a couple in a second marriage have a child together. So in our family, Darren had three kids from his previous marriage, and then together we have Reese. So I have three stepkids, and then I have a daughter. Reese is at our hours baby. So today I'm interviewing Christy Rocha and she is an ours baby. And she interviewed me on her podcast, Sass Says, a few months ago, I believe. And in our conversation, she mentioned that she's an ours baby. And I was like, okay, I have to get her on the show to dive into this more. So in this episode, Christy shares what it was like for her having half siblings from her father's previous marriage. There was an age difference in this situation as well. And she just shares how this dynamic has played out in her life today. Obviously, every situation is different and not everyone's experience will be the same, but Christy's experience was really interesting and it was eye-opening and I am excited to share it with you. So let's dive in. Christy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I am so excited. We don't get to talk to a lot of ours babies. Mm. I was on your podcast and you started talking about your experience as an ours baby and I was like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. We have to get you on the show. So welcome to my ours baby. <laughs> no. Yeah, thank you. I think to the best place to start is I want to hear about your family dynamic and then we can dive in from there because you are the ours baby and your dad, is it? Mm -hmm. Your dad had children from a previous marriage? Yes. So my dad was married once before. He has three kids from that marriage and they divorced he met my mom and I am their only child. My siblings are older than I am, obviously. My next up is seven years older and they just keep getting older from there. So I didn't quite grow up with them. Mm -hmm. There was an every other weekend situation for some time, but I always say the day I started kindergarten is the day my oldest brother moved out and started college. So they're really wasn't a ton of overlap that I recall. Mm -hmm. And a lot of how I remember it, my childhood in relation to my siblings is from stories and a lot of work that I've done in therapy now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know 
where we want to start with that. But basically, I have three half siblings from my father's first marriage. I'm the R's baby with my parents, and I have no other siblings from my parents' marriage. How was that experience for you? Do you feel like it was something that you valued? You were excited about the family dynamic, or was there stuff there? No, I I wasn't super excited about that. (laughs) I felt very left out for much of my childhood. Combination of them sharing parents that I didn't share, living together, I didn't live with them. And then the age difference as well. You know, I can recall being on family vacations where, you know, they're older, they're off on their own, they're doing things that I can't really be a part of, as simple as going to Six Flags. And I'm not old enough to ride the same rides that they all are riding. So I'm with my parents on the kiddie rides and they're on the roller coasters. I didn't process it then as isolating and kind of left out as I have now as an adult looking back. But it was definitely tough. I mean, I was always very appreciative of my parents and their relationship and recognizing that their marriage and their bond being very solid and secure allowed me to feel solid and secure in that dynamic. But when my siblings were involved, I felt left out, Mm -hmm. (laughs) simply put. How do you think they felt about you? Mm. I think that that has varied over the years and certainly sibling to sibling. And this is all my perspective, obviously. We have had now later in life some uncomfortable conversations between us about it, but not many, to be honest. I think my oldest brother was the most aware of his parents' marriage breaking up and felt at times that it was the most difficult for him to accept the new marriage, the new child. My middle brother, I know when I was a baby, spent a ton of time with me and really embraced me. And my sister the same. My sister is the closest in age to me. And as little kids, I never felt distance from her. I think as we got older, though, And the differences between how I was being raised and how they were raised was becoming more apparent, started to shift the dynamic. So when you think about just my father alone, he's in a much different phase of life raising me. His businesses are established. He's older. He's more mature. He's in a marriage that was successful that is going to influence parenting styles. And so as those became more apparent, and I guess what I'm saying without saying is that I had a lot more Mm -hmm. stuff, literally material stuff. I had more. I had experiences as a child where I'd go places together with my parents together. I didn't have to split holidays, things like that, that I think in their age and their immaturity at times was taken out on me when it really was not the appropriate target for that emotion. Mm-hmm. 100%. We actually worry about that with Reese sometimes because, you know, we're with Reese all the time. And it's just Darren and I. And, yeah. you know, we're in a different financial position than we were when the kids were Reese's age. And mm-hmm. so we are doing more. We're traveling a bit more. And there's just a different dynamic now that they're older. They don't seem to mind, but, you know, maybe they do. And we just don't know about it. But people say that, they don't want to have a hours baby because it's going to make the dynamic or make the stepkids feel left out. Do you think that's true? 
I mean, I think it's true that there's the possibility for the hours baby to feel left out. Mm-hmm. Certainly. I think that in my case, like I said, the age difference set that up automatically, but also the relationship between the co-parents was not easy. It wasn't pleasant. It wasn't amicable. It wasn't encouraging of togetherness. (laughs) So we weren't doing modern family holidays. I would go to watch my siblings play sports and we had to sit on opposite sides of the field from each other. I think that plays into it. You know, if you have co-parents and step-parents alike who are happy and okay to be involved in each other's lives, I think that that eliminates some of the separation between the kids. I mean, obviously, but just what I know about my mom, she wanted a kid Mm -hmm. and she and my dad wanted one together. And I don't know that worrying about someone being left out is enough to not bring life into the world if you really want to, because there is therapy. There are coaches, there are adult conversations that can be had to heal those feelings. And I don't think anyone, including my siblings, would say, gosh, I really wish dad and, you know, my mom wouldn't have had Christy. I don't think that that Mm -hmm. now, certainly as an adult, is something that they would say at all. Yeah. So I think it's hard like anything else. I mean, there's challenges in life and you figure out how to work through them, or I guess you don't, but in our case, we're trying. Yeah. Well, everyone has their stuff, right? Everyone has challenges. And I agree. People will say, Jamie, I don't think that I should have an Irish baby because, you know, I'm bringing them into a high conflict situation. Well, you can shield the kids from that. Like the kids don't need to be involved in that. Or they're worried about how their stepkids are going to react. Or they're worried that the ex is not going to be accepting of them having a new kid. And I'm like, okay, you have to do what feels right for you. Mm -hmm. And there's all these challenges, but you can set up boundaries. You can, you know, go to therapy. You can have these open and honest conversations. You can be more cognizant of how this dynamic can impact the kid Mm -hmm. and still have a really good life. Yeah. From my point of view, even at the most challenging times, I don't regret being born. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I'm to this day not accepted by my sibling's mom. It doesn't really affect me in reality. You know, it affects me in how I relate to them, certainly. But her opinion of me has never once entered the chat of my personal growth and development. (laughs) It doesn't affect me. Mm -hmm. Does she have an opinion about you or about the idea of you? Mm, Fair question. Or is it just a matter of her feelings about your parents? I think it is more the idea of me. Mm -hmm. I actually think it is more of a reflection of her opinion of my mom. And to be fair, I have to say she, at this point, is battling an illness that has been really, really tough on my siblings. And she's not all mentally there with us right now. She's early onset dementia and it's Mm. painful even for me to see her now. And, you know, she will, she'll look at me and smile lovingly and it kind of feels a little surreal. And so I say that and I bring it up to say that not that I ever would, even if she were perfectly healthy, want to speak overly negatively or poorly or feel like I'm bashing by any means. But right now it feels particularly tough to look back at some of the really, really dark times that we've had as a family around that dynamic. But mm-hmm. I'm debating if I should say the thing that really like just defines it. And I think at now at this point I have to. like I For many years, and it's been a long time since this is the case, but for many years I didn't have a name. I was Spawn in her mind. So I think that 
pretty clearly expresses what for many years was her feeling of my mom and that marriage Mm -hmm. and what they created. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all know that is based on their own feelings of hurt and insecurity and loss and Mm -hmm. not feeling like enough. And obviously every situation is different, but I think when you're in a positive, confident, secure space, Mm -hmm. you don't say that about a child. No. Right. You know, and I think a lot of stepmoms struggle with that and they struggle with just the ex's reaction to them having a baby and what they will say and what they will think. And at the end of the day, it really has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And as you're saying that, you know, I could never fully speak for my mom, but I never got from my mom that it really affected her. Mm -hmm. And I think that if it did, it would have affected me more. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think she liked it, but it didn't affect her to the point that it affected me. Mm -hmm. I hesitated in saying it just for the sake of my siblings who are just really in a tough spot right now. Mm -hmm. And I want to be respectful of that as best I can. But I say it more, I really can say it casually. I don't internalize it. Yeah, for sure. And that speaks to the place that you're in right now too, Mm -hmm. right? You can look back and see what was really going on. Do you think that you knew more about the dynamic between the ex and your parents because you were the R's baby and kind of around all the time? Were you more privy to those conversations? Did you kind of have an idea of what was going on or were you on the outskirts? No, I was shielded from a lot of that. Mm -hmm. I was young, you know, I mean, my sister was seven when I was born. My brothers were already teenagers. So there was a lot going on. My mom shares that she was in her early 20s, like raising teenagers or I guess mid 20s at that point. But there was like way too much going on. A lot went over my head. And if anything, I have to credit my mom with this, that I think in order to help foster my relationships with my siblings, she always made it very clear to me at the end of the day, that is their mom. Mm -hmm. And no matter what she says or does, no matter what you hear them say or dad say or I say or anything you might witness at the end of the day, that's their mom and they love her. And we're always going to be respectful of that. Mm -hmm. I love that. I was involved when I was there and physically witnessed something, but otherwise it was two separate worlds. Mm-hmm. How do you think your mom experienced stepmotherhood? What was that experience like for her from your perspective? I think it greatly varied by kid. Like I said, my oldest brother was old enough. You know, he was fully in high school and he was out the door as fast as he could. Mm-hmm. My middle brother, who I said was very bonded with me, was also very bonded with her. Mm-hmm. They're still very close. I mean, at this point, everybody gets along and has talked it out as far as the siblings and my mom go. I think just generally, my mom was in her 20s when she married my dad. And like she kind of became a mom overnight to these teenagers because they would either get kicked out of their house or, you know, they would be, you know, every other weekend or sometimes the every other weekend would turn into week longs. And when I think back on it, from my point of view, I just picture her cooking all the time, <laughs> like just these big kids in our house that wanted to eat all the time. I remember there were a lot of times where I can picture her because I know her well enough now in hindsight to know when she's biting her tongue. I think there was a lot of tongue biting (laughs) at those times. But I think generally it's just this big transition to, hey, I'm a newlywed and now I have these teenagers in my house. I think it was really 
challenging. I mean, I think it was tough for her. Well, I can tell you from experience, it was challenging. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Then you couple that with truly being hated by their mom, which made it really difficult because I think there's obvious reasons, right? But you have these kids who are under her roof and are having this great weekend and doing activities and going out and having fun and then you know, interacting with me at some point, but then they're going home and they're hearing all these negative things about this person that just really showed them this fabulous weekend. And that is where I've heard from her now later in life that it was really hard, you know, that balance between I want to defend myself, I want to speak up for myself, but what is best for these kids? Mm -hmm. I can only imagine. (laughs) It's very hard to know what to do. Yeah, for sure. There's this expectations of stepmoms to always be the bigger person. Mm-hmm. You know, stepmoms will say to me, why do I have to be the bigger person? And I'll say, well, aren't you the bigger person? Don't you want to be the bigger person? Yeah. But sometimes you want to just really just let her freaking rip and <laughs> yes. tell someone how you feel and why this is unfair and throw in all the double standards and feeling good enough until you're not and the judgment from the outside and just kind of the misconceptions about what it is to be a stepmom. Yeah. It's freaking hard. Yeah. Well, I think that that's where a lot of her sentiment with me applies to herself too. Like at the end of the day, that's their mom. Mm -hmm. They love her for her faults and for her greatness, all of it. They love her. And she was never willing to, at least from her point of view, say anything different. Mm -hmm. I think like all of us, we go through whatever we go through in our lives with our parents and we have to come to it on our own, whatever it is we come to. And I think there was a part of her that from her own childhood really understood that, that like no one is going to tell you how you should feel about your parent. You're going to come to it on your own. And I think she tried to just hold that in her mind. Yeah, you're an adult. Yeah. They're going to become adults and look back with an adult perspective. Yep, 100%. There were times when it was appropriate to, I don't know if it was stand up for herself, but there was an event that she was not invited to, that she should have been invited to. From the mom? From one of my siblings. And they were fully adult. And so my dad was like, oh, well, then I'm not going to go if you're not going. And my mom's like, no, you'll regret that for the rest of your life. But where she did sort of draw the line in the sand was I, as her daughter, was not going. Mm -hmm. If she's not included in this, then my daughter is not included in this. Was this a wedding? Yeah. There was a question that came in on Instagram about this very topic. Someone was in the same situation. Yeah. That's interesting timing. Yeah. And I remember it was one of the few times where I saw her emotionally react with a, I will encourage your father all day long to go. But in this case, like she didn't say these words, but what I took it to mean was like, no, 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 you're on my side with this. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. you're my daughter and we're not all going to be there except for me. Mm -hmm. Right or wrong, I don't know. But yeah, that was a time where there was a line drawn in the sand. Well, how fair is that for her, for her whole family to go, except for her? Yeah. So I can totally see, I probably would be the same way, Mm -hmm. whether that's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. But it's true. At the end of the day, you do have to stand up for yourself. I was just writing a quote, actually, for my Instagram feed. And I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but is she an evil stepmom or is she sick of the disrespect and bullshit, right? Has she got to the point where she's just like, okay, I can't, I got to stand up for myself at this point. Because I feel like stepmoms do take a lot Mm -hmm. and have to bite their tongue a lot. And eventually 
you have to respect yourself enough to stand up for yourself. The key and the tricky part is, is figuring out when you should say something yeah. and when you need to bite your tongue, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a really fine line. But yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because I think there's not a lot of conversations with children who are the hours baby and who, yeah. you know, have grown up in this dynamic. And I do agree. I think the age difference does play a role. You know, I think about Reese. Reese is right now, she's nine. Mm-hmm. My stepson's 16, my other stepson's 19, and my stepdaughter is going to be 21. Mm-hmm. So, they're almost like her little parents yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I would say Maddie, my stepdaughter, is like her second mom, yeah. right? They have this relationship where she'll be like, Reese, and yeah. kind of call her out. <laughs> but you've got my wheels turning here now, thinking yeah. about our dynamic and looking back. I have been obsessed with mocktails lately, and I have a new one that I want to share with you. It is super refreshing. It's called the Grapefruit Mint Refresher. Here's the recipe. Half a cup of water, a cup of ice, two sprigs of mint, and a half stick pack of Element Grapefruit Salt. You know I'm a huge lover of Element, which is a tasty electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar, artificial ingredients, coloring, etc. Formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet, From professional athletes to everyday moms, it's for everyone. Now, not only am I drinking Element before and after workouts, when I need to rehydrate, when I'm traveling, and after some wine, I now use it to make my mocktails and cocktails. Seriously, throw in some lime salt with some soda, tequila, lime, and mint, and it is also extremely delicious. 100 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Staying hydrated is crucial and a huge priority of mine. Proper hydration isn't just about drinking water, though. It means having adequate water and electrolytes. When you purchase Element from www.drinklmnt.com forward slash kickassstepmom, Element is giving my listeners, a free sample pack so that you can try all the flavors and pick your faves. That's www.drinklmnt.com forward slash kickassstepmom to get a free sample pack with your purchase. For a while there, Darren and I were out of sync. From our calendars to communication to what was going on in each other's lives, there was just so much going on that date night and connecting with each other fell off the list. And when we did have one-on-one time, Reese was with us. Surprise, surprise. It was just such a challenging time. And I know that you guys know when your relationship isn't solid, the extra stressors that come with step family life don't always feel worth it. So keeping your relationship on track is very important. Insert Coupla. So Coupla is a relationship app created for couples by a couple. It has helped thousands of couples connect using a shared calendar, to-dos, and reminders to spend more quality time together and connect on a deeper level. The calendar feature allows couples to easily manage each other's work and home schedules while also incorporating various family calendars into one convenient location. The calendar allows couples to prioritize date nights and quality time with each other and navigate through calendar conflicts and scheduling challenges that arise from juggling work, kids, exes, and more. Now, one of the big challenges that stepmoms have is that they aren't always in the loop about schedule changes with the kids. I don't know about you, but this used to drive me crazy. Coupla can help with this. When your partner adds a new schedule to the calendar, you will automatically be in the loop. 
You can also keep date nights on track with the date planner. As we all know, a regular dedicated time with your partner is one of the best things you can do for your relationship. But with work and friends and children and all the things demanding your attention, it can be hard to carve out that time to be together. So you can plan dates easily, get reminded about your upcoming dates, and keep your date nights on track. Coupla also has the only task manager and to-do list specifically designed for couples. Beyond simply managing groceries, couples utilize these lists to organize everything from planning their next vacation to managing a home renovation to curating exciting date nights ideas and keeping track of gift ideas. Coupla is offering a 50% discount off an annual subscription for my listeners for the first year. All you have to do is enter Jamie when you check out. You can get the link via my show notes, or you can also download Coupla from the App Store. And after onboarding on the subscription page, you can click redeem offer and enter the code Jamie to get your discount. How do you think this has impacted how you experience being a mom and, Mm. you know, your journey into being an adult and parenthood and all the things? I mean, I think as a mom watching my kids, I've said this before, like, I can't relate to what they're going through right now at all as being three and five and having someone in your life all the time that is your age, that is your sibling. Like, I feel like for the most part, I grew up like an only child, you know, so watching them, I'm like, what is this? I can understand how when I was in high school, I had a friend come over who has two younger siblings And she started just like going through my stuff. And I was like appalled. Like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I was just looking at your bags and your dresses. And I was like, why? She's like, what do you mean? Why not? You know, we always like talk about that because for her, it was so normal growing up with siblings around all the time that were just in your stuff, in your face, playing with your stuff. And I was so not used to that. And I see that now with my kids. I see that I am probably for more reasons than this, but I do think it applies I'm very easily overstimulated by the fighting, by the noise, just by the constant interaction. Like I grew up entertaining myself all the time. I played very well on my own. I was an arts and craft girl. I was quiet. The house was not loud. The house was not messy. And now my house is very loud and very messy and it feels very foreign to me. I'm not used to it. I'm glad to see that my kids have each other. I feel like they will have the bonds that I feel like I lacked for a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to have a friend that we were born a month apart. We knew each other since then and we kind of grew up like we say more like cousins, but when we were really little, we grew up like sisters. We were just at each other's homes all the time. Our parents were best friends and she's an only child too. So it worked out really well. But that is the closest thing I have to feeling like that everyday bond. And obviously that has strained a bit as we've grown up because we're not in the same family. But my point is that I can see what she and I both longed for in each other. I can see that with my kids, Mm -hmm. you know, just like that total comfort. We're going to fight like cats and dogs, but we have each other's back, you know, and it's nice to see that my kids all have that. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's different in blended families when you have, you know, I know we don't use the term very often, but half siblings because you can fight and then you can go to the other parent's house Yeah, and then there's the space. 
right? And then, then there's the stories you're telling yourself about what actually happened. And I think it's easier to have that divide with half siblings because of the custody arrangement than it is if you're living under the same roof. Like you yeah. got to figure it out. Yeah. Like you're at dinner together that night. You got to figure it out. Yeah. I totally agree. There were times where, of course, we would fight and argue, but then they go home, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then also they were not so much going to my mom the way I was about it. So we're not being counseled by the same person. And then even as a child, like knowing, oh, they're going home to their mom to tell her about it. And I know their mom doesn't like me. So, oh my gosh, you know, it's like a whole yeah. other, oh my gosh. Whole other rabbit hole. It's loaded. But thankfully that did not happen in my case so often. And if it happened more than I recalled, because I blocked it out. <laughs> uh-huh. I've blocked out a fair portion of things in my childhood. Yeah. I know that now, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it all comes back. Yeah, it starts to come back. You talk a lot about the importance of therapy in your life as mm-hmm. a mom and, you know, your experience with motherhood. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think it's such an important conversation. Yeah, I was experiencing postpartum anxiety, depression, didn't know it until I got pregnant the second time. And it was just so obvious again, I guess in hindsight, it was obvious, but I was feeling a lot of the same feelings again, but this time with a toddler to take care of. And I just was like, this is too hard. (laughs) I am not doing this well on my own, but I did not recognize that therapy was for anyone who wanted it. You know, I didn't realize that you could just go. I thought, I don't really know what I thought. I think I really thought that you needed to be recommended by a doctor or a lawyer or someone that was like, hey, you've gone through a big trauma. Here's your referral. Like, I didn't get it. And so I, it took a friend of my mom's sharing that she was just having similar feelings like, hey, I have a business, I have a marriage, I have kids, everything's great, but I still have a therapist to help me work things out. And I was like, well, what do, what do you mean? She's like, I just went on my insurance website. And <laughs> I was like, oh, you can do that? So I did. And I know that I am also lucky in that I have insurance and that therapy is part of behavioral health for my insurance. I know that is not the case for everyone. But I went on, I found a therapist. She's still my therapist today. And she really has helped me work through a lot of my daily overwhelm, my daily burnout, certainly postpartum anxiety, depression. This was all around the same time of COVID and lockdown and all of that. That's a lot. My son was born February 2020. So she helped talk me through the process of finding a psychiatrist when meds were necessary. And we've also done a lot of work on my childhood and my siblings and my, you know, life as the R's baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, it's just been great. What has she helped you process when it comes to just your childhood? Was it, you know, the feeling as of being an outsider, feeling of not belonging? Yes. What do you think your big trigger is there? There's a couple. There is the outsider and the feeling of belonging, which along the way was triggered time and time again by different friend groups, different relationships, boyfriends and things. I moved in fifth grade. So like that was a whole other time of like, hey, I don't fit in here. But the belonging, certainly, I have learned that I have some challenges with money as a result of this. I was always seen as the overly privileged, spoiled, 
child and I was made to feel bad about that. And so I have some things with money. Gotta love some money mindset work. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and it surprised me. It actually surprised me because I was raised by entrepreneurs who very freely talked about money. And, you know, I didn't feel like this taboo thing. We talked about it a lot. My parents are business coaches, like, you know, but I have some unresolved stuff there from kind of feeling like, should I have this nice stuff? Because people don't really like me when I have this stuff. And, you know, so there's some money mindset stuff there. There's certainly dealing with just people. Like I said, I really grew up alone a lot of the time and I really grew to enjoy that. And now not only having kids, but I married someone who has siblings and they're super close and they have truly become like my siblings. But at times I definitely feel like I need to pull the plug on being social and being interacting with them and like it gets to be too much. And so, you know, kind of just working on my social battery and recognizing when I need to get charged again. I get that. Yeah. It's interesting too, right? Because these would all seem like little things. Probably you didn't even realize they were that big of a deal for you. Yeah. But then when you get into therapy and you start having these conversations about what's going on in your childhood or messages or stories you've been telling yourself or the way you felt, yeah, it's so interesting how these feelings and these themes really show up in all of our relationships as we move forward, you know, as a parent, you know, in a relationship and all of that. And I love that you just openly talk about therapy because it is such a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. And when you start to understand yourself and how and why you show up the way you do, you can't really unsee that, eh? Right. You're like, oh, this is my wound from my childhood showing up here. Yeah. And I think really one of the greatest gifts is, especially when it comes to childhood, I've really learned to have a lot more compassion for myself when it comes to those triggers because I've really been able to see how much of my, you know, quote unquote stuff comes from my inability to fully process as a kid, right? Like you just see things differently as a kid and certain, you know, circumstances or happenings or relationships that I just internalize one way because that's what I did as a kid. I've come to see as an adult, like, oh no, that really wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. I just saw it that way. And it's really empowering and it's really healing. And gosh, it's so corny. But really, when you learn that everything you need is within yourself to be happy and content and functional and to take care of yourself, it's a lot of work. But I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm-hmm. My therapy sessions started out with talking a lot about other people and talking a lot about the finger pointing and, well, when this one does this, it makes me feel that and this and that. And gosh, that's exhausting. Really now they've become so much more about how I look at things and process things in my point of view. And it's a lot more productive and it feels mm-hmm. a lot better. Yeah. Jim... Cooley from Newcom. So Newcom is one of the sponsors of the podcast and it's a meditation app that I use and it's so good. But he was saying, you know, we can barely control ourselves. Like from what we know from our own brain, like us as humans can barely control ourselves. So what is making us think that we can control anyone else? Right. So it's like, we sit in these therapy sessions, you know, with our girlfriends or whatever, and we're venting and we're complaining, pointing fingers at other people, but they're really just dealing with their own crap and we're over here dealing with our crap. And Mm -hmm. it's just not a very productive way of going about life in my mind. Yeah. I remember specifically 
when I would talk about, you know, my marriage and my partner, it's like, I remember saying to my therapist, like, is it enough that I'm the only one in therapy? <laughs> like, he's not, you know, is that enough? And that's where it started. And she's like, well, of course, you know, and I learned why. I learned that just things that I do differently and see differently have this incredible ripple effect on a relationship. But then I sort of moved into a little bit of resentment, like, why am I the one doing all this work? Whether it was my marriage or my relationship with my parents, my relationship with my siblings, like, great, I'm glad I'm doing it, I guess. But like, why am I the one that has to do it? And then it really moved into, oh, thank goodness, I'm the one doing it. Mm -hmm. They might be too. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Thank goodness I'm doing it because I feel better. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like these stages of opening up and just going from blaming to resentful to now just totally calm and empowered to really just live how I want to live. Yeah, I love that. And we should all be doing that and getting to that point. Yeah. But it's very painful and hard to get there. Oh, it's not easy. It sucks a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just can't unsee it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, a last question I have for you. I would love to know what your advice is for parents who have an ours baby. What do you think they can do to make their baby feel included or, you know, all the things that you went through? Yeah. I think my mom and my dad, like they did a lot of great things. I think certainly shielding me from a lot of the turmoil was helpful <laughs> and nice. And it really allowed me to develop relationships with all the players without a lot of influence. The thing that I wish that perhaps would have been done differently is I, I wish I was in therapy younger. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, we, at least when I was growing up, there were friends of mine that their parents were separating and they were getting into therapy and that seemed very normal. Maybe the parents were in therapy, but as the ours baby, you know, it was like, cool, you have two parents who are married, like, good for you, go on your way. And it's like, no, there was a lot of stuff I could have really talked out and processed. And maybe if it's not therapy, even it's just really having like the open conversations, not about the turmoil necessarily, but how are you feeling about this? Mm -hmm. I think as parents, we all understand what I mean when I say there is a way to shield, but also talk, right? Like I could still be protected from the specifics of the turmoil, but there was still a conversation that could have been had about my point of view on it. Because mm -hmm. I wasn't a, totally oblivious. You know what I mean? Like there was dynamics happening. Well, you can pick up on the energy. Yeah, the energy. You're at the hockey arena. You know you're on the other side, right? A hundred percent. And to be fair, there is a good chance <laughs> those conversations did happen more than I remember them. Mm -hmm. But at some point, I am cognizant enough to know that they stopped mm -hmm. because... I grew up and it was like, okay, cool. <laughs> We've moved on from this where none of us are under the same roof anymore. So I would just say whether it's therapy or just really open lines of communication with the hours baby, because we are seeing and feeling everything, you know, like you said, the energies and we have dynamics with the siblings. We have dynamics with it all. <laughs> that is, we're either going to work it out as it's happening or you're going to be like I am you know, in my 30s in therapy, talking it out and trying to remember things that are harder to remember now, 15, 20, mm -hmm. 30 years later. Get this. My daughter walked into my husband's ex-wife's house and said to her, yeah, my dad doesn't like you. <laughs> <gasps> no. 
And I was like, we don't even say anything. And it's not even like that. Like where she picked that up, walked right into her house because she was with my stepdaughter. And uh, she's like, yeah, my dad doesn't like you. Oh, yep. Gotta love that. From the mouths of the babes. From the mouths of the ours, baby. Anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. I know this is going to help so many stepmoms because there's a lot of conversations about this, especially in the kick-ass stepmom community and just, you know, in my DMs in general. So I think we need to have more conversations from this perspective. And I just appreciate you helping us do that. Well, thank you for having me. I've never really talked about this publicly, so it's very therapeutic for me. If I help one person, that makes it worth it. So thank you. Amazing. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode and know someone that it would resonate with, do me a favor and send it their way. And if you haven't already, head on over to iTunes and give the show a rating and a review. I am so passionate about opening up the conversation about blended family life and debunking the stigma that comes with being a stepmom. And you sharing this podcast helps me do just that. Now, if you're craving more podcast episodes and interviews, would like to connect with me and get access to workshops like how to disengage the right way, how to improve your relationship with your stepkids, how to talk to your partner about your stepfamily stress without causing a bigger fight and more, you have to check out my membership, the Kick-Ass Stepmom Community. Not only will this community give you access to strategies and tips to improve your stepfamily life, you can connect with me and stepmoms from over 30 countries around the world in our private chat and our live Q&As. Head to www.kickassstepmom.com to join.